Welcome to the Girl in the Galaxy podcast. I'm your host, Kate Heinecker, here to serve as your astrological tour guide. This podcast is here to use the ancient art of astrology to help us make sense of our lives and the world we live in. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to the Girl in the Galaxy podcast. You are hanging out with your two professional astrologer friends. I'm Kate Heinricher, and I'm here with my friend Jordan Schaumer. Jordan, how are you doing today? Doing good. Wonderful. I'm very excited to talk to you about the month of July, but I'm also even more excited to chat with you because this is our one year anniversary of doing monthly forecasts together. Very exciting. You know, I couldn't make all of them, but Every time I get to record with you, it is an honor. So thank you for having me for a year. And I hope there are many years and many forecasts to come. Thank you. I feel the same way. I love recording these monthly forecasts. Honestly, I feel like it's, it really does us so much good as astrologers to kind of orient ourselves for the month ground ourselves for the month and really understand like what is in store energetically. I feel like when we know what's in store energetically on a collective level and on a personal level, we're able to really navigate our lives with so much more mindfulness. And that's such a gift of being an astrologer, but also being able to kind of do these podcasts and share our knowledge with our listeners. So it's a win, 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 win for everybody. And I love it. So thanks to all of our listeners who've been stayed with us through the past year or jumped on, or if you're just jumping on, welcome, welcome, welcome. Jordan and I are excited to have you and we have a lot going on the month of July for this month, for anybody who's new or just listening to this podcast, what Jordan and I do we reflect a little bit on the month before because reflection is probably just as important as forecasting to help process and integrate the energy and the events that have been thrown our way. Then we do a little bit of an overview of like general big picture themes for the month ahead. And then we dive into the astrology week by week and we kind of nitpick the most important astrological events to really provide guidance and energetic mindfulness of what we are about to experience on a collective and a personal level. So for anyone out there listening, you know, if we do get too technical, we're two professional astrologers, um, then just listen to the message and let that wash all over you. If you are a visual person, like I am, I make these cool nifty little calendars, um, that have all of the astrological dates that we're about to talk about on them. And you can take notes on them. I have, hang them on my desk. I love them. I'll email them to anybody on my email list as well. And you can download them using the link in the show notes. So that's my opening spiel for the month of July. But before we dive into July, let's chat for a second about June. 
we are still recording. We are still in June when we're recording this. We're recording this on June 20th. So we've got a little bit of ways to go. But thus far, I feel like June has lived up to a lot of our expectations. Jordan, what are your thoughts on the astrology of June so far? And do you have any major reflections on a collective or a personal level about the month of June and the astrology and the energy it's really served up for us? Yeah. You know, I feel like, and like you said, we're still in it. So who knows what the next 10 days will bring or whatever, 10 days. Um, but coming out of eclipse season, moving into June, June has like overall felt a little bit more manageable. Um, though we began June while Mercury was still retrograde. So there was this sort of orientation towards what the actual fuck just happened. Mm. And by that, I mean, in eclipse season. And so I feel like true to Gemini fashion for me and for a lot of people I've, I've spoken with friends, clients, et cetera. June has sort of been about like making sense, being able to wrap our head around the experience of eclipse season, And also the experience of just like the astrology of 2022 thus far. Mm -hmm. Um, I think one of the major things I'm feeling into for June is it really feels like for the first time this year, we can access Venusian energy. Mm, yeah. Which I think makes such a big difference. Venus has had such a rough go since like November of last year, intense retrograde, and then being stuck sandwiched between the malefics for so long, being in the sort of shadow of Mars and trudging through like difficult waters. And with Venus in Taurus, finally, she's home, she's comfortable, she's able to offer a bit more comfort to us. Um, So that has been, that has been nice. I just feel like um, it's been that comfort I've been waiting for at the very least. Yeah, absolutely. I feel that way as well. I feel like that really resonates on a personal level. Um, On a collective level, I thought that June was very textbook what we've been predicting about 2022 all year long. Um, Venus was in Taurus, so in her domicile sign. And Venus met up this month with Uranus in Taurus and the North Node in Taurus. And we even talked about this on, we've been talking about this all year and we talked about it in our June forecast, but June really did highlight a lot of these major themes on a collective level, um, specifically economic instability and natural disasters as well which I think are huge themes for 2022 um, that will continue. And I think with Venus there, 
what I found observationally what that was very accurate, um, was especially Venus got really close to Uranus, um, actually conjunct Uranus on Saturday, June 11th and the 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, like that whole week was when we saw, um, the stock market plummet into bear market territory. Um, so a lot of, again, economic instability, volatility that we're seeing with Uranus and Taurus. Um, Uranus and Taurus is like the hallmark energy of 2022. And in English, it, it really speaks to a lot of economic instability, kind of tectonic shifts in our values in prices, which is why we've seen such crazy inflation and such um just general economic instability in 2022. You know, also that week, the Federal Reserve imposed its largest um, interest rate increase since 1994. Um, and also that week, you know, Yellowstone National Park experienced, you know, four days of like record flooding and melting snow and had to close huge parts of its park. I read somewhere also that the, the flooding was like a once in a thousand year event. So I thought that a lot of that Venusian energy that we do have access to also brought a little bit of amplification to these themes of economic instability and natural disasters, which are very Taurus in nature. You know, Taurus energy is all about values, money, but also the earth. And it's a fixed earth sign. It's about values. It's about the earth. It's about the land. It's about nature. It's about our reverence for nature. So I think that that trend will continue and will get a lot louder even in July um, when Mars moves into the sign of Taurus again with these energies. Um, I think oh, yeah. that June probably brought these up in a way like in, intro, like introduced and escalated these, but they are going to continue <laughs> to escalate, especially in July and August. Yeah. But I thought that it was so textbook that week that the stock market stuff happened and the Federal Reserve raised interest rates and Yellowstone. I was like, oh, here we go. Uh, Venus is right in between Uranus and the North. No, this makes a ton of sense. So, well, yeah. And like on a collective level, when Venus moves through a sign, because Venus represents like our connective tissue. It mm -hmm. sort of orients the collective. Oh, look at that. You know, gaze your eye, gaze upon this, whatever the theme of that sign is. And then Mars comes through and is like, look at this. Do it just something. Like, yeah. It brings that amplification. It brings aggravation and inflammation to whatever it is that Venus was just like, how about you just look on over there? Mm, look <laughs> over there. Yeah, but Mars is like the high octane, aggressive focus puller. Mm -hmm. That's when we get all of the dramatics. Yes. Um, I also think it's worth mentioning um, 
that the January 6th hearings are happening or like began in June. And regardless of my personal opinion on any of those January 6th hearings, I do think that it's a little astrologically aligned because the attack on the Capitol happened um, when Mars was transitioning from Aries into Taurus. And in the month of July, Mars will also be transitioning from Aries into Taurus. So I think it's very interesting and kismet that we're having this revisitation of the attack on the Capitol on January 6th, like during the Mars return of the Capitol of the attack on the Capitol of January 6th in July. I thought that was just very astrologically kismet. I was like, oh, of course, yeah. we're, go- we're seeing this happen again. We're reliving this collective tra- traumatic experience. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, because we were together that day. We, we were, were recording. We were. Um, we did we not were record. Something. We were going to work on something together. Yeah. And we absolutely dropped it. We were like, look at the charts. Yeah. Well, and we were like so fixated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And looking at the astrology and we were just like, Mars moves into Taurus at 4 p.m. or something around that. Like yes. there was a specific time where we were like, We were like, this is because whenever a planet sits at 29 degrees of a sign, there is this like final ditch effort to get in whatever the themes of that planet Mm. are. So the attack on the Capitol happened as Mars was moving through the final moments of, uh, 29 degrees Aries. And we were just like, at let's say it was 410, like 410 PM. It's all going to dissipate. And then like fucking clockwork work four ten hits mars moving taurus done the it's like totally yeah. quelled it's over with but during those final moments of mars and aries and mars went retrograde in aries during the 2020 election so it was literally a culmination of all of this pent up energy from the 2020 election and then as soon as mars moved into taurus it was quelled it yeah. was and it, it was wild and it is like you know mars will be moving through taurus and reactivating um the path that venus just walked but venus is strongest in taurus and mars is weakest in taurus or mm-hmm. you know weaker yes. in taurus Um, Mm -hmm. not that that has a positive or negative connotation. If you have that in your chart, like don't internalize, Mm -hmm. I have Mm -hmm. Mars and Taurus. Mm -hmm. Um, but the expression of how Mars speaks and how Mars acts in Taurus is so much more subdued than it is in Aries. Mm -hmm. So we do have this big sort of drop in energy. Mm -hmm. Um, collectively, but also with the circumstances of what comes during June, um, because Mars is our vital energy or is, you know, our expendable energy. And with Mars and Taurus, there just isn't nearly a fraction of the energy and drive that there is while Mars is in Aries. I feel that let's use that actually as a segue point to talk about the general, um, astrological 
energy of July. Cause I think that that's a really important jumping off point. And that's what really stands out to me about the month of July. Like when I think of the astrology of July, when I think about this energy of July, I am really focused on Mars and Taurus and that drop off of energy that we can kind of anticipate happening, um, throughout the month. I think that Mars in Taurus is painfully slow and painfully deliberate. You know, the last time Mars was in Taurus was when everyone was trying to get vaccinated and it was going to take like 10 people were projecting (laughs) that it would take 10 years for everybody to get vaccinated. And then Mars moved into Gemini. I was like, bam, 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 bam. Us wise astrologers. (laughs) We were like, wait until Mars was in Gemini. Everyone's going to get vaccinated. (laughs) Just give it six weeks. Mars is going to move in Gemini and everything's going to pick up again. Yeah. Um, But what I think is so interesting about July is that I think it's kind of pumping the brakes. And I think the rest of 2022 even might feel like it's going to move painfully slow because Mars will move into Gemini, but then it will go retrograde in Gemini. Yeah. So I think that the energetic shift that's going to happen in July is going to present a lot of themes that are going to stick with us for the rest of the year in a way that might feel a little painfully slow or in a way that will ask us to be extremely deliberate about how we dedicate our precious time and precious energy. You know, so especially in July, I think it's really important for anybody out there listening just to like, don't overcommit yourself. Do not feel pressure to take on too much focus in on what you are good at and focus in on the very, few projects rather than many and dive deeply into that because that will be the best way to use this energy and be as deliberate as possible. You know, spreading yourself too thin is just, it's not going to work for the rest of 2022. You're really kind of setting yourself up for, um, unpleasantness. If you already feel yourself being spread too thin, taking some things off your plate, I think will really help you um, find more meaning and fulfillment in what you have right in front of you. Yeah. July's astrological circumstances are interesting because if we look to all the personal planets. So we look to the sun, we look to Mercury and Mars and Venus, all of those planets at one point within the month of July or leading up to the month of July fall from their home sign, Mars and Aries, Taurus or Venus and Taurus, Mercury and Gemini fall from their home sign into unfamiliar territory. Even the sun, the sun will be in cancer, which is the moon's territory. And it won't be until the end of July that the sun reaches his home in Leo. And so all of us are moving from familiar territory where we are able to express and move and act in a way that is aligned with the energy of the sky. And then we move into this unfamiliar territory where we have to do things differently. And in order to know what that looks like 
we have to be present with it. You know, Mm -hmm. we have to offer ourselves the grace of knowing what worked in June is likely not going to carry over into July so easily. So we have to be open and receptive, which is supported by being in cancer season, but we have to be um, to be responsive to the ways in which things might just be a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that. And I actually never thought of that about how the inner planets are moving from their domicile signs that they feel comfortable into, into a different sign. That's a great interpretation. Yeah. And I love yeah. that. That's great advice. Well, and it's not that those planets don't, you know, like have room to breathe in those signs. It's just a matter of there is a transition that takes place Mm -hmm. when you are at home for a long period of time and everything's familiar and everything is where you put it and you have some sort of claim and over ownership over, you know, your experience. And then you, you know, are in an Airbnb for a month and things are a little bit different and you have to kind of rejudge so that you can build that familiarity again, but it's still not your home. Yeah. So there's just a little bit of time and transition that takes place. And so I think that your sentiments of like, keep your expectations low and be present with what you're able, you're capable of doing what you have the energy to do, and then take that insight and build a new sense of like home in this Airbnb. Absolutely. Very well said as per usual, my Gemini rising friend. Uh, (laughs) The other note that I had for just a general overview for July in terms of mundane astrology or collective astrology is that we are going to go through the second Pluto return of the United States on July 12th. So if you haven't been listening or keeping up just a brief synopsis, um, the United States is having a very monumental year astrologically in 2022 because Pluto, which is this planet that represents the soul. It represents um, the deepest parts of our intentions for being or incarnating. It also represents an incredibly potent transformational energy after which we experience it. We will never be the same. Um, It's an extremely intense planet and it takes about 248 years to go through one turn around the zodiacal ecliptic. So around 248 uh, years, everything goes through a Pluto return. And this year, the United States will be going through its first Pluto return, which is extremely monumental. It's huge. It's a big deal. And it essentially like long, I'm very doing very long story short here, Um, but essentially this will do several different things energetically. One of which will truly be almost an existential crisis for the United States um, to determine what our identity will be for the next 200. 148 years and a major reckoning of, of who we are and as a nation and how we have formed ourselves as a nation over the past 248, uh, 48 years. Um, 
July, I think will be a month of amplification of, you know, what are our major values as a nation? And that question I think will be turned up. The first pass of the Pluto return actually happened in late, late February, um, right when Russia declared war on Ukraine. And President Biden came up and gave a speech about it, like the day of the first Pluto return. So astrologically, in my mind, I was like, oh, this Pluto return is also about changing how the United States functions externally with the rest of the world. I think July will bring up a lot of things that are internal and intrinsic to our national identity. Um, So keep your eyes peeled around July 12th, watch the news around July 12th. It's going to be a very energetically intense time for the nation, especially it's falling right before this big full moon in Capricorn that will highlight Pluto. Um, So there's going to be a lot going on this month. I also think, I just feel this this energy in July that's like, that's kind of turning up the volume on a lot of just collective angst or insecurity that will really culminate at the beginning of August. Like August is also a very astrologically intense month. So I think that July will be really kind of turning up the volume. And once we hit August, it's like the beat will drop and there's going to be, um, even more energetic intensity coming our way at the end of July. And especially in the beginning of August. So it's the other note that I have is that, you know, it is really, it's going to be really important. Honestly, I know that a lot of people are burned out from the news and the state of the world. And it's so much like we're living through such historical times. But I do think that it is important just to keep, you know, be aware of what is happening in our collective this month, because it will be important. And I don't predict any economic stability coming anytime soon. I think with the Pluto return of it all, especially this second pass of Pluto, um, in regards to the internal aspect yeah, of it because of the retrograde. I th- yeah. I think what we are likely to experience because Pluto has to do with the things that are under the surface mm. and a lot of what I feel into this, pl- this Pluto return is about is what as a society and as a country have we at this point swept under the rug Mm. and have lived with under the rug for so long. And it's like the second Pluto return is like, we're walking on the rug and it's like, there are piles of something under here. Mm. And the, the impact of that or the fallout of that is circumstances bringing us to like overturning that rug and being like, these are the invisible systems that have driven our country to where they are now. And, you know, I'm thinking slavery, I'm thinking, you know, 
racial systems and structures. I'm thinking of like the insidious way that Americans adhere to the structure of capitalism and how we are conditioned to work within these systems um, that invisibly guide our life. So I think it will be the uncomfortable revealing of the shameful and sort of gut-wrenching circumstances of our past. We're also thinking like genocide of the natives and how we have crafted stories that have glossed over the atrocities that our country is founded on. Our country is founded on the backs and the blood of others. I think and of the land back movement too. Sorry to interrupt you, absolutely. but like the absolutely. land back movement totally yep. is quintessential like Pluto return of the United States. Yeah. You said that and I just got chills. Yeah. I think yeah. that it, it comes with a lot of reconciling and recognizing the way in which we are not innocent. Mm-hmm. You know, we by by moving through as Americans with complacency and not recognizing what came before us and what was not addressed and where reparations were not paid all comes surging back and Pluto is all about power. And the powers that be currently, it just leads me to believe or to feel, oh, how the mighty do fall. Mm-hmm. I love and that. I think that that theme will continue on in the, in the coming years as Pluto moves into Aquarius, which yes. is naturally sort of power to the people, power to the masses, yeah. which, you know, is also kind of scary given the the quality of the divisiveness that we're also moving within. Um, But there are, there is a natural shift of power that is ahead of us. And I think the more conscious and the more mindful we can be about where the power lies now and who um, is apt to assume that power, ideally you and I, and, and the people who are listening to this, who don't necessarily have a voice the way that we need to, you know, our government is made up of a bunch of people who don't have any concept of what it actually is to be an American. And that doesn't make sense, (laughs) you know? So there's a lot uh, that will come of this. And like Kate said, it's monumental. So you, you chose to be here on earth during this time. We're here for a reason. I know Jordan and I kept on talking about that in our little pre-show chat, just about how incredibly significant it is to live through what we're all living through right now. This is incredibly significant. Like I, and I still think about how in the 2020 election, uh, Joe Biden kept on saying we're in a you know, we're in a struggle struggle, like we're fighting over the soul of the nation. 
And I think that fight for the soul of the nation is the Pluto return. It's the Pluto return, the Pluto return of the United States. Like Pluto represents the soul, especially in evolutionary astrology, you know, and we are literally still going to be in this fight for the soul of the nation, um, for, you know, especially in 2022 and probably for a couple more years. Yeah. Well, and I also think, and this is a tangent, we can get back to our, our, you know, scheduled (laughs) whatever program, but like, I do feel the significance of, you know, Pluto and Neptune have been moving sextile each other for decades since we were born, they've Mm -hmm. been moving in the sextile and then Jupiter met with Neptune this year. Mm. And I think that that combination of energy under this unprecedented astrology is enough for us to recognize there are no coincidences. We are here for a reason. Mm -hmm. And when you are inundated with the overwhelm and overstimulation of being alive at this time, Remember, I am here for a reason. I chose my soul chose to be here. I am here to fulfill a mission, to fulfill a goal, to usher us past this point in astrology and generate some sort of empowerment, like intrinsic empowerment in this landscape that feels incredibly powerless. Because with Neptune and Jupiter speaking to Pluto in this way, I feel like it is that uplifted, like there is an intangible, unreachable reason for you to be here and you don't need to wait to make sense of it or to see it come to life in order to stand planted in that belief. I just got chills when you were saying that. And I think that is the perfect <laughs> thing to leave our July reflections on. Yeah, I'm and, off my soapbox now. <laughs> oh, I love it. That sun and I the love night how before, soapbox. I love how before we we had our like little discussion, I was like, I don't talk about the Pluto return. I was like, that's too big. I'm like, I can't. Whatever. Gemini rising, <laughs> sun in the ninth house. You're like, you know what? I actually do have something to say. <laughs> Let me stand up literally listeners before we started talking i was like okay i'll talk about the pluto return a little bit but you got so ninth house with it you're like let me (laughs) preach let me just remind everybody sorry sorry. it's great i love it (laughs) that was inspiring to me too because i've been so pessimistic (laughs) this year i'm like I don't know. So I, I, I feel like I needed that. And I'm sure people listening needed that too. We're all here for a reason and let's dive into July. Shall we (laughs) let's unpack this week by week and start with week one, which I'm giving the generous dates of July 1st to the 10th. So we'll start with like the first week. (laughs) I love a 10 day week. We love a 10 day first week. (laughs) Give, give me more as Britain. Time doesn't exist. You know, (laughs) Saturday, in Aquarius. So like time is truly obsolete (laughs) rolling it all up into one, into one 10 day week. So the 10 day week starts with July 1st and 2nd, the Friday and Saturday, this first weekend. So this, the first weekend of July, I think we're getting off to a pretty intense start because this first weekend of July, um, Friday, Mars will be squared to Pluto, which 
as we as astrologers have witnessed, can be mighty intense. Um, and on the second, we have Mercury trine, Mercury will be trine Saturn and then square to Neptune, which I find is very energetically in- interesting. Jordan, do you have any initial thoughts on this first weekend of July that you'd like to share or any astrological advice that you think would be helpful? Um, I, I mean, my first instinct, just looking at this, like Mars square Pluto ushering in this month is like, ow. <laughs> um, I think, um, I think punishment, like that is a word that comes to me as I'm thinking about this specific aspect. Um, it's like July punishment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but I think that, you know, during this weekend and especially, you know, Mercury square Neptune, that's sort of disorienting and confusing, um, especially because Mercury will be in Gemini, which likes to, you know, have all the information and, um, make sense of things. And, and we are likely to just not have the answers that we need or the information that we need to move forward. Mars being movement and Pluto is sort of holding a leash to Mars and being like, you know, don't step the wrong way or I'm going to, you're, you know, I'm going to tug at you and you're mm-hmm. going to get, you know, maybe it's a choke collar or something. There's like a BDSM vibe, vibe with Mars square Pluto, but I think it is like tread mindfully and tread carefully, which is not the nature of Mars and Aries. I love my Mars and Aries people, but like consequences are not necessarily in the forefront of decision-making and action-taking. And I think that if anything, this is incredible astrology to get acquainted with your impulses. Mm, And rather than acting on them blindly, which is a superpower of Mars and Aries and my Mars and Taurus just can't fathom being capable of doing that. But I think that with Pluto there, it gives us the power to investigate why our impulses are what they are. And what is that kernel of motivation? You know, are our impulses speaking to us from our highest self Or are they rooted in insecurity? Are they rooted in expectation? Are they rooted in something that is outside of what is ours or what is, you know, what is beneficial to us? So just bringing in that like sense of impulse and and examining it. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'll never forget in 2020 when we had a couple of passes of the Mars square Pluto. Um, I burnt myself really bad with my French press in the morning. Yeah, you did. And a couple of days later, a friend of ours experienced an unexpected fire in their apartment. And literally ever since that experience, all I can think about with the Mars and it's the same configuration with Mars and Aries square Pluto and Capricorn. All I can think about with that configuration are two things. One, do not push too hard or else you will get burned, which literally happened to me. (laughs) Yeah. Or it brings up a sense of powerlessness to our circumstances 
into our fate that can be feel rather unpleasant, but necessary um, in order to remember that there is a higher plan and that there is a higher evolution that's being called and asked of us. But in the moment, it can feel unpleasant. It can feel like we are lacking the control that we want over our, our lives and our circumstances. Um, so especially as we enter the month of July, the major, major astrological advice to that I'd like to deal out, especially is tread lightly, de-escalate, de-escalate situations without pushing things under the rug. You know, acknowledging the reality for what it is is so important when we're dealing with Pluto and not suppressing whatever comes up even more, rather not escalating and creating more heat and fire and flame, but rather bringing a sense of coolness. You know, we are in cancer season, which I think might help bring a little bit of that, a little more subtlety perhaps to the tone here that we're talking about. Um, but tread lightly and deescalate and try to relax as much as you can this weekend. Like if you're going on a little vacation, you know, get there early or just like D it's, this is the weekend of July 4th too. So I can imagine that people might be traveling, might be seeing family. It might bring up a little more extra heat, a little more, um, you know, it, it has the potential to bring things up again that are, that we are sweeping under the rug. So please deescalate and do not push yourself too hard um, or else you definitely run the risk of getting burned um, and, you know, wear sunscreen too. Yeah. I think that this also just like from a very practical standpoint, because it is a holiday weekend and this astrology is falling over the holiday. This is a perfect time to practice resisting the instant gratification that is expected of us. So like, let's say you're working on Friday and at 3 PM, your boss sends you an email. That's like, I need this answer. I need this decision made the most responsible thinking about Saturn's trying here. The most responsible thing that you can do is say, I don't know right now. I will get back to you on Tuesday because Ooh. by Tuesday, the square to Pluto will be looser. So that will sort of dissipate that tension. Well, and then Neptune will be, a, or Mercury will be away from Neptune. So there's a little bit more clarity, but truly the most responsible thing you can do is wait, like sit on it. Don't leap to conclusions. Don't make any big decisions because it is likely with that Neptunian influence that it is maybe not the most clear, accurate decision, answer, product that you can give. Yeah. Amen to that. And I think that is actually like, <laughs> wait until Tuesday. Seg let's segue to Tuesday. So yeah, also maybe even wait until Wednesday, just yeah. <laughs> because that's Mercury day and we're still Mars and Aries, but like Tuesday, great Wednesday, even better. better. <laughs> Remember that like nothing is nearly as important or dire or immediate as anyone makes it out to be. <laughs> exactly. Um, Tuesday is 
very, another astrologically intense day. So on Tuesday, July 5th, um, Mars will actually leave the sign of Aries and move into Taurus and Mercury, um, will leave Gemini and move into cancer. And at the same day that they change signs, they're going to sextile each other. I so love this, <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, this is also the day of my Mars return. So I like love, but those two planets offering this like gentle opportunity to ease into this unfamiliar territory, because like we said, Mars and Taurus, not its favorite position to be in Mm -hmm. same with mercury and cancer, you know, mercury in water signs is big. I know my words, but, or I know my heart, but I do not know my words. Mm. So the meeting of those two planets in a, in a sort of supportive and opportune way ushers us into this new territory gently. Absolutely. And I, yeah, it ushers us into these new territories gently. Absolutely. And especially with Mercury and Cancer, that is an opportunity for us to understand why we're feeling in the way we do, you know, that's an, that it, this is the transit that tugs at our heartstrings and that makes us able to communicate and digest information that is visceral and that literally hits you in your gut, which can be a beautiful thing in communicating to people in ways that are deep and authentic and real, but it also can create a fog of reason, frankly. So I think with Mercury and Cancer, especially this week, it's so important to use any deep emotions, anything that is that hits you at your core as an opportunity for reflection and really, 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 really ask yourself, why do I feel the way I do? Why do I feel the way I do? Why am I feeling this? Why does this make me feel this way? Is really, really important because just by doing that quick excavation, you really have the ability to uncover more rich understanding of your inner world or of the situation you're in, which also can build relationships too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This, the next six weeks, um, as Mercury moves through cancer and then Leo is where Mercury goes from, because Mercury is our perception. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like how we organize and make sense of this stimulus that comes to us. It's also how we communicate, synthesize our experience and, you know, offer that to someone else. It is Mm -hmm. sort of that communicational bridge, but in Gemini and Taurus, um, Mercury is an objective perspective, Mm -hmm. but in cancer, And Leo, it is incredibly subjective Mm. where, especially in cancer, your moods, your emotions, your attachments, your old baggage, like old emotional experience, because 
cancer is never just now. When we are dealing with cancer, we are carrying with us everything that has come before and led us to this moment. The past weighs heavy in cancer's being. And so we, with Mercury and cancer, are projecting our internal circumstances onto the world around us. And just like you mentioned, it is an incredible opportunity to gain data. What is in there that I'm so close to sometimes I can't parse out and I can't recognize? It helps you see yourself um, in a way if you are able to, you know, take your perceptions over this time and kind of turn inward and be like, okay, well, this is how I'm seeing things. And then give yourself a line of questioning, you know, like, why do I feel attached to this particular vantage point? Or why do I feel, you know, X, Y, Z, um, because cancer is also very self-protective. And so maybe what pain or, you know, rejection or what, what am I trying to shield myself from by viewing it in this way? It really gives you this mirroring sort of multidimensional opportunity to see yourself in a, in a closer emotional space, Mm. you know, and then, and then Mercury moves into Leo and it's like me, 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 me. What about me? (laughs) Right. I guess all of July Mercury will really give us the opportunity to be you know, self-referential. Yeah. But we need that. We do need that. We absolutely do. So the weekend, the the eighth and the ninth and the 10th, um, the second full weekend of July, you know, a little bit of a transitory astrology, uh, sun will be square Chiron on Friday, the eighth Mercury square Jupiter on Saturday, the ninth. And the sun sextiles Uranus on the 10th. Um, Now with this, I'm kind of getting kind of big news leading to some type of inspiration. Um, You know, sun square Chiron, I I feel like I can take it or leave it. (laughs) It depends on how that falls in your chart. But I think that on a collective level uh, for that weekend, I feel like there is kind of like a reckoning with some type of message that we're meant to integrate to have a new insights or ideas or inspiration. Honestly, not like pretty chill. Nothing necessarily to write home about. Yeah, exactly. I do, though I do, I love nearly, I mean, maybe not outer planets, but I love a square to Jupiter. Mm. I think a square to Jupiter is like a real push to think bigger, expand, Mm. enrich, um, in a way that like, you know, is maybe not easeful, but is exciting, especially with this, the sextile to Uranus. I think that this weekend could generate excitement, mm-hmm. newness, um, or even just like experiencing something familiar, but in a new way. Mm. Um, so I feel like the astrology of that weekend could be, I was going to say fun, but then I remember that square to Chiron, but I think it'll be, it'll be fine. I agree. I agree. <laughs> it's a, it's a lovely weekend. Get out there, make friends, have fun. Yeah. 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 That, that weekend. 
you know, or chill, whatever works with you. But I think that getting out there, having fun also will offer that expansive perspective. So let's move into week two of, of, of July. So this week two, I think will be probably week two of July, I think will offer some of the most intense astrology for the collective. Um, I think that this will really bring up a lot of things for, um, especially the United States and our, like our landscape in the United States or political landscape in the United States. Um, especially like the 12th, 13th and 14th, because as we chatted about in the beginning, um, the, uh, the seven twelve that Tuesday is the Pluto return. And then on the 13th, we have a Capricorn full moon. Now this Capricorn full moon on Wednesday, July 13th will, I mean, it has a lot of features to it. So this full moon is going to be exact at 2.38 PM Eastern time, and it will fall at 21 degrees Capricorn. Um, Pluto will be at 27 degrees, which is, you know, a pretty significant orb, you know, it's about six degrees away from each other, which with, for the moon matters. Um, also that same day, Mercury will be square Chiron, Venus will be trine Saturn and Mercury will be sextile Uranus. So, and then the next day, the 14th, Venus will be square Neptune and Mercury will be sextile the North node. So we'll translate that in English for everybody. But I mean, that chunk of the week is a lot you know, the middle of the week, 12th, 13th, and 14th um, of the second full week of July are significant. Jordan, what are your full thoughts about the full moon in Capricorn on that Wednesday? How are you kind of feeling into this? You know, yeah, go for it. Um, I want to hear your thoughts. I actually, I like the astrology of this full moon. I know that it's intense. It's close to Pluto, but I think that we get a little bit of relief having Saturn trining Venus because Saturn is the planet that is in charge of this full moon. And I think that this sort of beautiful support from Venus um, has has this, um, like lighter quality to it. Um, I do feel like with that Venus signature, like this might be more of a relational full moon than a typical, um, full moon in Capricorn, which tends to be you know, achievements or, you know, your, your goals, your work, what you do, how you externalize yourself in the world. Um, but I feel like this full moon is a really beautiful opportunity to turn back on the circumstances, the people that remained after the Venus retrograde in Capricorn. Um, and like, 
I don't know. I feel like there are lessons to be learned with the people who you are still in the reflection of after that Venus retrograde, because all of us, if you've been tuning in, um, one of the themes of that Venus retrograde was like, not everyone can come with you. Like in this, this new reborn Venusian cycle, um, not everyone, not all of your relationships can come with you. And I think that this is in some ways sort of like a celebration of that because Capricorn celebrates consolidating and celebrates quality over quantity. And so I feel like there is a relational quality and an opportunity to, you know, celebrate by, by taking responsibility and accountability for the people still in your orbit. Yeah. Absolutely. I also feel like the moon, you know, the moon is in detriment in the sign of Capricorn. So initially when I think of, and the sun is in detriment in cancer. So, well, I mean, not detriment, but it's not like, you know, it's in the moons, the moon's territory. Um, but I also think which always make you know, Capricorn full moon always makes me feel a little uncomfortable with emotion, the emotions that are, that come to the surface during that full moon, because undoubtedly full moons, it's the job of full moon energy to expose, to shine a light on what we didn't see and to have that insight and to have that illumination, help us release something and help us release something that is no longer useful to our process of growth. And I think that with this Capricorn full moon, I do get a little bit of that dis-ease, that discomfort with what comes up, especially so close to Pluto. But I think that also to what you're saying with the astrology of the rulership in a trine with Venus, this full moon and the uncomfortableness that comes from it brings forward a really important opportunity for us to grow in new ways that wouldn't be possible without that uncomfortable experience. You know, so with this full moon in Capricorn, I really get, especially on a personal level, like this, oh, I see this now. I didn't see it before. I'm processing it. I don't know how to get it. I'm uncomfortable. But now that I know this, I'm better off. And now I know what to do and I know how to grow moving forward. And I can take responsibility for it. You know, I feel like the way that the moon expresses emotion in Capricorn is so, is naturally not necessarily watery and soft. It is responsibility, accountability. Now I know Mm. the feeling. What do I do with this? You know? How do I make something, build something of it? And so I feel like this is a full moon that offers an opportunity for growth, for maturity. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think that the, you know, the Venus squared Neptune the next day also will present maybe even a little more uncomfortable, harsh truths from an external experience from another person that 
deepens this understanding of what we didn't know we didn't know in order to kind of let go and release so that we can move forward. Yeah. And I think that because while Venus is square Neptune, she'll also still be trying Saturn. And so I feel like, you know, Saturn anchors us and gives us the, the capacity to weather discomfort Mm -hmm. or weather confusion, because that is likely to come up, especially Venus will be in Gemini. If this is a day where it comes to having a, you know, necessary conversation with someone, someone that you are in relationship with someone that you work with, you know, any conversation will be clouded by Pluto, but Saturn sort of anchors us in that. And is like, keep going, keep going. You'll get through it. You'll get to the other side. You know, you, you just have to navigate the discomfort of, you know, the mist and fog of Neptune. Exactly. And I also think that Saturn always helps us weed the garden, you know, Mm -hmm. and this is an opportunity to truly weed the garden of any extraneous energy that is weight that weighs down more than it lifts. Um, yeah, I have, I have a quick anecdote that reminds me so much of this. The like, okay. The Neptune, Saturn, Venus of it all this morning today, I was tasked with pruning our tomato bush because we have this tomato bush that like grows too many limbs. And even though there were limbs that I had to prune today that like had fruit budding on them. I was like, it is for the, it doesn't make sense. You know, the Neptune, it doesn't necessarily make sense to prune a a branch that already has fruit on it. But in doing this, consolidating the plant down when it does fruit, it will bring bigger, more luxurious fruit to the table. And so I feel like it is that Saturn thing of like, what you have to do might not make sense. It might be uncomfortable. You might not now see what the purpose is, but keep going. Like you will see the delayed gratification of, of Saturn come to life. It's just a matter of getting through the thing that might not make sense or might not sort of fit into reason in this moment. Yeah. Absolutely. Well said. Look at you pruning tomatoes now. I know this is like my life. Are you kidding me? I'm like Jordan's (laughs) pruning tomatoes. Wow. How far we've come in a year. I know. Starting the forecast. (laughs) So let's move on to the weekend, shall we? I adore the the energy the astrological energy of the weekend of the 16th and the 17th. Mm -hmm. Um Mercury will be conjunct Saturn on Saturday. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Mercury will be conjunct the sun, um, in the sign of cancer on Saturday. And then about gaining clarity after a little bit of fog. Exactly. And then Venus will move into cancer, which I adore on that that Sunday, the 17th. And on that same day, Venus moves into cancer on Sunday, the 17th, Mercury will be trying Neptune. 
and the sun will be tr- the trine Neptune too. So it's like I love Mercury that. and the sun will come together, have this gorgeous little trine at Neptune, and then Venus will move into Cancer too. Waterlogged, yes, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Uh, go, like this is also a wonder. Yeah, I mean, I have so much to say on this one. I mean, first off, like getting near water, being in water washing away any astrological intensity from this week by being in water or near water, I think will be incredibly beneficial and energetically cleansing on a personal level. A Mercury sun conjunction, I always love it's called a Kazemi and it burns off and it creates clarity. It burns off what is not essential. Um, so I think that like we how we've kind of been talking about these first two weeks of July are an important time to get to the root of our emotions and unpack that this Saturday is going to be an aha moment or bring some type of clarity and understanding. And that Sunday as a Venus and cancer native, I love Venus and cancer. Um, Venus and cancer is just gorgeous and IMO. I mean, I'm so biased. I have to acknowledge my own bias there. Um, but I think that Venus in cancer is a beautiful transit to take care of yourself and to take care of other people. Um, this is yeah. such a wonderful weekend. I also think to gather with people and to gather with friends that feel like family. Yeah gorgeous. I really the enjoy this weekend. Cancer to me is like such a wholesome sign and has such mm-hmm. wholesome energy that I think like using that wholesome nature, especially with the support of Neptune, mm-hmm. like have a backyard barbecue with friends and family and kids running, like invite your yeah. friends who have kids, like getting back to that like wholesome nineties. I don't know why to me the nineties were like so wholesome, probably because I was a kid, but like (laughs) having that like nineties energy of like, you know, fun and no trans fat or whatever. There was such weird nineties stuff, but it was, and it was so sort of like delusional, but like, this is a time where with the support of Neptune, we're actually benefited by kind of like letting go of reason and letting go of sense and surrendering to fun, surrendering to that wholesome nature. And if there was ever a time to mindfully and intentionally disassociate from the trials and tribulations of the world with the recognition that like, we do have to get back to that. This is a beautiful weekend to do that. And just like be contained and swaddled in your bubble of love and comfort and support and cure and like, and, you know, eat hot dogs, run through the grass with no shoes on, do a slip and slide. Play in the sprinkler. Yeah. Play in the the sprinklers. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Water gun fight. (laughs) So much water balloon fight. Okay. If you're having a party, you have to invite me. (laughs) Yeah. invite. Now I'm like, I want to get in on this. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I want to get this. I I really like this energy so much. The Venus and cancer of it all. (laughs) <laughs> mm, just brings me home. I love it. This is the 
yeah, I also think of that summer nights, you know, you know, some like the, the energy that is almost electric in the air on a summer night, you know, the smell of a summer night, just, I can smell it this weekend. It is the perfect time to be outside underneath the moon, underneath the waning moon and enjoying the company and feeling again, that swaddled cancerian energy this weekend. And, you know, if you can't be with family, get together with friends that feel like family too near water somewhere people who make you feel safe people who make you feel safe it's a wonderful energy for this weekend I dig it Mm -hmm. so we (laughs) shall we move into the final week oh actually we have week three and week four but week three three is pretty um uneventful I would say yeah not uneventful but not like you know exactly um Definitely week two is the most energetically intense of the weeks. It's like week two, the 11th uh, to the 17th is like very intense during the week. And then the weekend is like a glorious release of that energy. It's like a culmination of emotional intensity. And then this gorgeous release, like sharp inhale, luxurious, slow (sighs) exhale. Yes. And then for the third week from the 18th, to the 24th, we get a little more Leo energy entering into the chat on that Tuesday, the 19th Mercury enters Leo the same day that the sun will be opposite Pluto. Any thoughts on this one, Jordan? You know how much I love Leo energy. I have a reverence for Leo. I have a personal relationship with Leo, but last year, this year, I am, I am on guard when it comes to planets beginning to transit Leo because Mm -hmm. we have Saturn opposite in Aquarius. We have the nodes and the other fixed signs, Taurus and Scorpio. We've got Uranus in Scorpio or Uranus in Taurus. Mm -hmm. And when a planet moves into Leo, it activates this grand trine of tension and friction. And so as much as I love to celebrate Leo energy, I feel like this is not going to be an easy part of the year because this Leo energy is obstructed and challenged by so many different angles. Um, And like I said before, Mercury in Leo is very subjective, very from my vantage point. What is my story? How, How is my perception externalizing my sense of worthiness and my sense of value? Um, And so I feel like, and granted when, Venus or when Mercury moves into Leo, it won't quite be in the like site of, I mean, it'll be in the site of Saturn, but not directly. Um, but I feel like that can be very demoralizing. Saturn is very demoralizing. Um, so just being conscious of that. And if you find yourself extra critical of yourself or 
feeling heightened imposter syndrome or guilt or shame or the need to shrink yourself, know that that is Saturn's work and Saturn is here to offer humbleness, but not like in a fun way. (laughs) I'm like a Virgo cool way. No, no. In kind of a shamey I'm like way. a sit down freshman. <laughs> and I, yeah. And I think that, and if I remember correctly, the sun opposite Pluto last year was really gnarly. Like I remember us getting on this, like this call a year ago and unpacking the impact of that. Mm. Um, so I do, I think that this astrology is, is tense. Like, I think that this is going to be difficult revelatory where we are seeing things that maybe we, um, have either consciously or subconsciously sort of like turned our head away from, um, but it all, you know, it's a necessary process, but I don't necessarily view this to be easy. And then I think that same sort of, um, tension and friction will, come up as the sun moves into Leo. And I think that's when we feel kind of like the height of it because the sun really is like the fulcrum of the sky. And Mm -hmm. so when our collective energy lives in Leo being sort of attacked for lack of a better word from all of these directions, um, I feel like it will just, it will it might feel suffocating. That's how I'm like feeling into it. Mm. Um, though, you know, circle back in a month and tell me that I'm wrong. I would love to be wrong, <laughs> but I'm just like, I'm just gearing up for like a yeah. rough Leo season. Last Leo season was rough. This Leo season couldn't possibly be any better because now the nodes are involved. Um, but have fun. I hope you're wrong. I, <laughs> I hope, hope I'm wrong, wrong too. Yeah, I, I hope, hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I hope we're wrong. I really think like, especially this week, I think the 19th of July will be very important date to pay attention to what information is released on a collective level. Um, Cause when I think a lot about a lot of these Plutonian aspects that we've been getting, like it was during the Jupiter sextile to Pluto was when the Supreme court decision was leaked. Um, the Supreme court draft was leaked. So with a lot of the Plutonian energy, I feel like there is a release of information or even more of an expose of what we didn't know. And with Mercury moving into Leo the same day that the sun is opposing Pluto, I really get this feeling like we are going to learn something or something's going to come out this week or something is going to be exposed. There's a new story. There's a... Uh, extra, extra, read all about it. Hot off the press. Uh, there's a scandalous manipulation of the truth almost is really what I get this week of July. And yeah. right as we enter Leo season, this Leo season, again, I hope we're wrong, but it really does not feel like a walk in the park. I think this week is when we're going to feel the energy um, of August really start to creep into our experience. 
Yeah. This is when I think collectively we're going to really start to see an amplification of intensity on a Mm -hmm. mundane level. Um, And I think with the Mercury in Leo sun opposite Pluto, it also is important to remember that, especially because where Pluto is in the sky can't be seen by Mercury. They're in sort of like a blind, you know, blind spot of each other. One of the superpowers of Mercury in Leo is its ability to storytell. And that power comes with great responsibility. And if that responsibility is not wheeled appropriately, we get like snake oil salesmen. Yeah. So just being conscious and intentional about tapping Pluto and being like, we need to get more info. You know, we need to investigate this further before we take this story at face value, because it might be a story crafted out of agenda that is not rooted in truth, that is more rooted in selling a story. And so being very cognizant of the information that you are given and doing your due diligence to make sure that within that information, you have a level of power. With knowledge comes power. And so paling back the layers, figuring out, you know, the what's in the house and where there might be exaggeration or dramatics built in to generate a certain tone or feeling. I also just pulled up the chart actually for <laughs> right around this for this week. And the moon will actually be in Taurus and meet up with Mars and Uranus and the North Node on the uh, 21st. So I we also have that square to the moon. Yeah. So I also feel like this energy definitely is going to highlight um structural instability as well you know especially this weekend i on a personal level i actually might kind of enjoy this weekend because mercury will be trying to jupiter on the 23rd um but i think that you know on a collective level it um it just brings up again, more volatility and more. Well, also escalation of volatility, the moon later in the night on the 19th, the moon will square the sun and Pluto, mm. which I wonder, because when we're talking about mundane astrology, the moon represents the people. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there will be a mundane or like collective fallout or impact that this sun uh, Pluto opposition will bring because if Mm -hmm. the moon is hardly aspected or a part of it, it usually means it will show up in the collective or, or in one way, shape or form. And because we have Mercury and Leo, which is not visible by the sun or Pluto, there is a likely, or there is a a possibility that the story that comes of that is not necessarily aligned with like the truth of the matter or Mm -hmm. like is a, is there is an aim of that story that might be mm, manipulative. Yeah. Agreed. 
So final, if, if you could think of like two major pieces of advice for the week three of July, what would they be? Um, I would say two pieces of advice. Um, don't take anything at face value and breathe. Yeah. I would probably say focus on self-soothing and self-care. Venus and cancer lean into your self-care routines because they will be important to manage volatility. Totally. Love that. And to keep your wits about you and don't take anything at face value as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Week three. Shall we move to week four? Sure thing. All right. Um, so we do kind of leave July with a bang as well. Um, (laughs) this week is, there's a lot going on, frankly, astrologically, it's not crazy, but it's pretty intense. Um, the 25th on Monday, Venus will square Jupiter. Again, we love Jupiter. I love, I love that. But then Tuesday, Mercury will be square to Mars. Mercury and Leo will be square Mars and Taurus. And then later in the week, we have a Leo new moon, the same day Jupiter goes retrograde in Aries and the same day Mercury will be square Uranus and the nodes. And then on that Sunday, Mercury will be opposite Saturn and Venus will be square Chiron and the sun will be trying Jupiter. So let's just like start with like early in the week, Monday, Tuesday, energy vibes going on here. What are your initial thoughts? Like beginning of the week four of July. So I already said we, uh, we, me and I, (laughs) we love a square to Jupiter, especially a personal planet squaring Jupiter. That is like just a a push to expand, especially with the two benefics, Jupiter and Venus. I find that to be a very generous time, um, a very like sort of, uh, optimistic and social time. But because as this square is happening, we have the square and fixed signs of, of, um, Mercury and Mars, the word that I get for these two days is actually frustration. Like you have this like optimistic outlook, but things aren't moving as quickly as you want to. Um, because I find that like with the fixed signs, there's a lot of ego in that, especially Mm. with Mercury and Leo, like ego, ego, ego. And Mm. so with Mercury and ego, there is a story that is meant to like, to dictate how we move forward. But Mars in Taurus is like, eh, you know, I guess I don't have the energy for that right now. Or like there, it's kind of like, you know, foot on the brake a little bit. Um, but Mercury in, in Leo is like, yeah, but this has to happen. And this has to happen in order for me to have my hero's journey, to have, to be the main character of my story. These are the things that have to happen. And likely during that time, you will have difficulty accessing those things. And so I feel like that is a kind of frustrating 
combination of energy to have this like beautiful uplifted um square from the benefics and then have this like very tension filled square coming from the fixed signs which are juxtaposed each other you know yeah I agree. I think that earlier in the week, it's going to be frustrating to align your words and your ideas with your actions, like bridging that gap between what you say and what you do. Oof, all talk, no action is going like it is going to challenge us to put our money where our mouth is. And actually examine our rhetoric and if our rhetoric, or even if the rhetoric is of people around you, like be discerning of people around you and whether or not their actions actually align with what they're saying and what they're selling you and making sure and being very intentional and discerning about whether or not that energy is like worth investing in. Mm-hmm. No, there is this energy, especially with Mars in Taurus of needing things to be real. Like we don't fuck around with fake people with Mars and Taurus. We don't fuck around with fake things. We don't fuck around with these like pie and the sky, whatever ideas. So it's really important. I think early in this week, just making sure and being extra discerning that we're investing in things that are worthy of our time and attention. And we're not getting again, snake oil salesmen, used car salesmen vibes. No, Mm -hmm. we can't do any of that this week. That's not beneficial and helpful. And with the square to Venus and Jupiter, because even though I love a square to Jupiter, there is always a shadow side to that. Mm-hmm. And I find with a square between Venus and Jupiter, there's sometimes a hard, there's a hard time in recognizing when enough is enough. Mm. So when to cut off your energy, atten- your resources, attention, mm-hmm. yeah. energy, focus, you know, drive towards a thing that might not be working. Yeah. or towards a thing that you so badly want, but it is clear is not in the cards for you right now, mm-hmm. or that can show up with other people. You know, you want something of this person, especially if it's harmony, you know, you want balance, you want to be on the same page, you want all of these things, but there comes a time where pushing or compromising to make that thing happen is more detrimental than it is to just like, stop, take a breath, give some, give it some space, wait it out. Exactly. And I also think because we're about to have a new moon this week and the moon is going to be disseminating, it's, we're going to have a balsamic moon. This is the energy of release. This, this week also has this energy of releasing and saying, this is not for me. This isn't working. I'm going to move forward with something else. That's the better use of my resources completely. Definitely. So let's chat about this new moon. eh? And on this new moon in Leo on July 28th, which is happening at 1.55 PM um, Eastern time. 
at five degrees Leo. So major call outs of this, this Leo new moon, it will actually be happening the same day as Jupiter stations retrograde in Aries. And will also be in a loose trine to Jupiter in Aries. It's also is going to happen on the same day that Mercury is in a square with Uranus. Um, and also be in a, not really like a loose square, but Mercury will be in kind of a loose square to the nodes as well. If that interests us at all. Um, do you have any initial thoughts on this full moon on this new moon and the energy of this new moon? So I've said my piece about Leo. Leo, Yes. But I really like this new moon. Um, I like it, especially because of it's trying to Jupiter as Jupiter is turning retrograde. So, um, when a planet retrogrades, it sort of hovers in space before changing directions. And that tends to be when the magic happens. Mm. And so I think that, and, and this, cause I'm also, I'm looking at the chart of this new moon. Mm-hmm. Um, when this new moon becomes exact, it is sitting exactly on top of the midheaven, the highest point in the sky, which I feel as though it means whatever impact, which is likely to be a large one because we're working with Jupiter here, whatever impact this new moon has, or, you know, new moons are fertile ground. And so I feel like whatever seeds are sown under this new moon have the potential to grow very big and the impact to be very loud and very visible, Mm. um, which calls us into the responsibility of being intentional about how we use this time or how we move through this time. Um, So I think that there is that sort of work in place of like, if you want that big expanded um, show for what happens under this new moon, um, making sure that you are, I would say specifically discerning about like the stories that are told around this full moon, like, or this new moon, if you're setting intentions, give yourself a line of questioning. Why is this my intention? What is the motivation behind it? Because, um, with mercury squaring the nodes, um, your words are spells. They hold power. And um, the way that you wield them, whether that is in conversation with another, in crafting uh, an intention or, you know, expressing yourself in that moment, um, if you are using words and also recognize that like Mercury will be in this like loose square to Mars. And so there is this sort of like lashing out that can come, um, really taking your time to be aware of the power that your words hold, because especially being that this full moon or this new moon and Mercury will be in the 10th house, your reputation precedes you. 
So there is this, like, if you are not responsible with the ways in which you are expressing yourself and using your words under this new moon, it might come back and bite you in the ass. And that's a threat. Wisdom. And that's not a threat. It's not a threat. It's not a threat. It's not a threat. Um, any ritual ideas that you would recommend for this new moon? I love, I have some words to say about it, but before I do, I'm curious, like your, your lunar ex your lunation ritual expert. Um, and I do love this new moon for intention setting yeah, and definitely. ritual. What's your, you know, top tip for like a ritual or an activity under this new moon? So the astrology of this new moon and also Leo in general, master manifester. And so I think that planting seeds of what you want to manifest, but also recognizing because Saturn is, you know, is not directly impacting this new moon, but it is still in play because it is in the opposite sign. Um, but doing the work of manifesting, not just writing down on a piece of paper, I'm going to get a million dollars. And then, you know, just like sending it out into the ether for it to come back to you. Like that's not how it works. So I would say kind of coming up with your intention list, what you want to manifest and what practical daily steps are you going to take to tend to those intentions and tend to those things that you want to manifest? Because I think that manifesting and building a devotional practice around that is what makes the most out of this energy, especially because Jupiter is in play and Jupiter is very spiritual. And I feel like has a devotional quality to it. And so, you know, not just setting and forgetting your intentions, but like coming up with a plan, Saturn, how do I factor in daily devotional practices? How do I chip away using work to make these things or like allow these things to come to fruition? And that also might mean clearing the path. So what needs to go? What need, what do I need to get ready to release when the full moon comes around. So it's like not spring cleaning, but like, you know, a little bit of like summer rehabbing, you know, this is what I want the room to look like. So how can I do one thing every day that moves this rehab project in the direction of my ideals? Mm, Absolutely. Well said, well said as per usual. Thanks. When I think of a Leo, like the Leo new moon, I, so much like Leo energy present in our experience. And when I think of Leo, I always think of authenticity and the fullest potential of our self-expression and the fullest potential of our abilities. I also think of fame and how intoxicating and intoxicated our culture is by fame and notoriety and being seen, which is all very, very Leo. And when I think of 
that energy of fame and performance and being seen, I think of how everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people, especially when we're kids, we want to be actresses. We want to be singers. We want to be the, we want to be the famous people that we see on the silver screen. Right. And it's not when I think of the deeper meaning behind our personal and cultural lust for that Leo fame energy, I think it's not necessarily derived from the fact that we all want to be a singer or an actress, but more so we all want to embody our fullest expression of our individual talents. We all want to be seen for who we are and how talented we are. And the easiest way and our easiest point of reference is to look at, you know, when I was a kid, I looked at Britney Spears and I said, I want to be Britney Spears. I'm not Britney Spears. I'm not capable of that. No way. That's not authentic to me. But I was intoxicated by the ability to live out your greatest potential in front of an audience and inspire people to do the same. So when I think of the Leo new moon energy and Leo new moon energy in general, I always think of how important it is, especially under the Leo new moon to set intentions that are authentic to us that are not authentic to other people. They're not somebody else's dream. I'm not trying to be Britney Spears anymore. You know, I'm trying to be Kate. And during the Leo new moon, setting our intentions around brutal honesty about what we want. And if that dream we have is actually our dream or whether it's somebody else's dream and getting very clear and getting crystal clear about what we want, what we have to offer, what our talents are like, what on this Leo new moon, ask yourself, what talents do I actually bring to the table? What are my greatest strengths? What do I get complimented on the most in front of other people? What was said in my performance review? And how can I lean into those natural God-given talents to craft my own authentic path and authentic manifestation and not the manifestation or of other people? Because that's never going to be viable. Maybe short-term ephemeral satisfaction might happen, but never the long-term Saturnian reward or victories that we truly, truly want and deserve. It's my first like getting, I'm getting like seasick from nodding so much. I'm like, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. <laughs> We're two Leo moons talking about the Leo new moon. It's going to be a, a fun time. <laughs> the second thought that I, the major thought that I have about this new moon is about the fact that Jupiter will station retrograde shortly after this new moon. So I also think with Jupiter and Aries about to slow down and move backwards, this is an important time also to reflect on our Jupiter and Aries experience. So consider under this new moon, 
what has happened in your life since May 10th, you know, when Jupiter moved into the sign of Aries, what has happened in your life since May 10th? Think of May, you know, or even more broadly, think of May, June, and July, those three months, what has truly come forward? And if you're a little more fluent in astrology, look to where Aries is in your chart what house does Aries live in? You know, I'm a cancer rising. I've got Aries in the 10th house. Jordan's a Gemini rising. She's got Aries in the 11th house, whole sign houses. So even if you do a little more personal examination of what has this Aries journey been about for me thus far, Aries is the sign of the individual. It's who we are also. So there's a double whammy here with this Leo full Leo new moon trying Jupiter that's about to station retrograde into truly excavating and understanding who we are, the power of authenticity and what we want despite any external influences. So I feel like to end this month of July, it's about getting real with yourself about who you are and what you want and setting your intention for the rest of the year around that. Cause it's about to get really rocky, especially in August for the rest of this Leo season. So having that very firm foundation of self and what you want is very important. Even if you don't know what you want, if you know who you are, that will lead you to know what you want. Does that make sense? Go ahead. And I have one more thing to offer. Yes. And then I won't say a single other thing. Just kidding. You know, I am not capable like, of that. I wouldn't want um, <laughs> Going back to what you so brilliantly said about talent and wanting to be seen and wanting to sort of play out and express our special, unique offerings to the world. I think with Saturn sitting in the opposite sign, it is also calling us into recognizing that the fame aspect of it, the like instant approval and instant acceptability of what we have to offer is a trap. Because as we talked about last year, if you were around last year, Leo season with Saturn sitting in the opposite sign in Aquarius is sort of like gearing up for a big performance. You've done the rehearsals, you have your costume, you've put in all of the work and you show up to opening night to an audience of zero. Mm -hmm. And then that calls you into why am I doing this? Am I doing this for someone else for the applause and the validation and the approval of someone else? Or are my special and unique talents something that I do because it lights a fire in me? It Mm -hmm. keeps that flame of our heart. Leo is lion hearted. So does it keep the flame of my heart lit? So rather than investing and intending to extend and express your talents for the approval and the applause of other people before you expend your energy on that is this talent that I am gearing up to share with the world, something that makes me feel alive and electrified 
Or does it make me feel like this is what I have to do to feel acceptable? And that's just a little offering from an Aquarius Leo babe like me. I love it. And I think, honestly, I think that's like the perfect way to end the month. Yeah, we did it perfectly. We did it perfectly. We did it perfectly. And I will just, I can't emphasize this enough to everybody who's listening, you know, August, we rated an astrological intensity of five, one of one through five, August got a five. So tune back in with us in August. Cause we've got a lot to talk about. I actually I don't think even the, think I read I think, our, um, our tips for July from our guide. I, don't think, I think the only other, yes, but I think that the only other month that we rated a five was May, May and November. Oh, the eclipse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just think about <laughs> the quality of May and offer yourself gentleness with that looming five in the, in our, in our view going into August. So do what you need to do during July to gear up to some tension. <laughs> yes. And I'm actually going to read off our, um, July and uh, from, so from our 2022 cosmic guide that Jordan and I put together, we did a quick overview of the astrological intensity of each month and offered some quick tips for each month as well. We gave July the astrological intensity rating of high and gave it about a 3.5 out of five. And our quick tips were feel your feet on solid ground before an earthquake for July, um, accept and commit to changes a Bruin since 2021. And the end of the month is the time to be flexible, especially when it's hard. And for to transition into August, we have the earthquake arrives and you can't (laughs) control the future or the past. All you can truly control is yourself in the present moment. And as things pick up, hold on to your butts but be flexible. <laughs> so that's like, those are the, those are good in August. I know. There's, Damn. Who wrote those? Who wrote those? We did. <laughs> <laughs> so that those, those are the, the general quick tips for the next two months, just to leave at, on just to leave as our, as our final note and final note. But other than that, thanks everybody for listening. And Jordan, do you have any shameless plugs, any announcements, anything fun? Um, you can book a reading with me. I feel like, yeah, book a reading with me if you feel so inclined, but you don't, you really don't have to. I'll be here either way. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) All the links are in the show notes. We'll, we'll leave them there for y'all. Thanks to everybody who was listening. This was so much fun. We really appreciated it. Happy one year anniversary to the forecast pods. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all have a wonderful July and we will see you back in August. Bye.